Guys with capacity want to be challenged in their responsibility. Yeah, that's they, powerful. They want to be stretched and realize that when you ask guys to carry a significant leadership role in your church, that's not something that you should apologize for. Welcome to Biblical Counseling in Action. I'm Steve Byers, and this is a podcast that addresses questions like, how do these principles penetrate every facet of local church ministry? What does it look like when biblical counseling starts to impact the youth ministry, or our ladies' Bible studies, or our men's ministries, or the way leaders function together, or the way decisions are made in the church? And what does it look like in the lives of everyday church members who have been trained, or maybe who have been counseled, but now they're continuing to live out these principles in everyday life? That's what this podcast is all about. Welcome back to Biblical Counseling in Action. Today we're talking to Mr. Joe Blake, who's one of the owners of Iron Man Properties, a local development firm and the chair of our deacons here at Faith Church and also a counselor at our men's restoration ministry. So, Joe, thank you so much for joining us today. Sure, it's my pleasure, Steve. Thank you. I, I should tell you, Joe and I have been friends and co-workers for several decades now. In fact, we have ridden our bikes across the state of Indiana in one day for what is called here the annual rain ride, the ride across Indiana. And, we, and are you going to tell people that we'll never do that again? Well, now, you never know. You never know. In fact, Joe and I are talking about some even more extensive bike rides perhaps in the future. We're, we're praying about that. And, and Joe, I added here that we are We've trained for and completed several triathlons. So really, our listeners need to know that we are, well, we're accomplished triathletes, aren't we? <laughs> <laughs> so we have a lot of stories that, that we could tell, a lot of fun that we have had for sure. But my goal today is to help us think about the relationship between serving as a deacon at a local church and working in a men's addiction treatment program, as Joe does, and the importance of biblical counseling training. So, Joe, I'm really looking forward to just what you have to say and what the Lord has to say through you for our listeners as we unpack all of that together. Would you agree that the notion that biblical counseling training is helpful for any person who would want to serve as a deacon, and why or why not? Yeah, I really do. I think biblical counseling training is valuable for what we do as deacons. You know, as I understand the deacon ministry, it is my job to serve the church family in a variety of ways. And in fact, you know, the way we understand deaconing here, the root word literally means servant. And so it's a high calling because it imitates what Christ did for us and yeah. does for us. He serves us. And, you know, I think about Matthew 20, 28, it says, Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Well, we serve people in many physical ways, material ways, financial help, etc. There's also a service of caring for the spiritual and emotional needs of the individuals in our church family, and it takes wisdom to do that. Yeah. You know, it might be helpful for our listeners just to understand the way our deacons care ministry works, that we have, I don't know, about 1,900 members here and I think 44 deacons. And so each one of our members is assigned to one of our deacon care groups. And so our, our deacons end up having what, 30 or 40 yeah. individuals or families that they're providing some sense of 
just watch, care for, and so they're touching base regularly with those persons to be sure that we're meeting any physical or material needs, but far more importantly, also working with them as they're growing in their service and growing spiritually. And so they're some of the front lines in our discipleship here, aren't they? Yeah, for sure. I mean, the pastors obviously carry a a heavy shepherding load with our church family, but in some ways, the pastors of our church have kind of broken off some of their shepherding, caring responsibilities, giving it to the deacons. And so there's a spiritual aspect, not only the, the material aspect of caring for our people, but there's also the spiritual aspect of making sure that people are doing well, that they're connected to the body of Christ, and that their spiritual needs are being addressed as well. Yeah, and you know, accountability is such an important aspect of discipleship, and and every Christian has to decide that they really want accountability. I've learned over the years there's a difference between a person talking about accountability and really wanting it, and you can find out the difference when you seek to hold somebody accountable for something. But, you know, we talk enough about that in our church family that I think the average person understands the importance of having a deacon in their life, having pastors in their lives, and having just good godly friends around them to help them grow. And so to the degree to which that's emphasized in the deacon ministry, to that same degree, there really needs to be some kind of biblical counseling training to help that deacon be prepared to do that well. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I I mean, We'll talk a little later about just some of the examples of how men engage with their deacon's care list, but for sure there's wisdom that's required in knowing how to best minister to people, to guide people, and and frankly, you know, deacons engage with people in their lives in some of the most challenging points in their life, whether it's a loss of a loved one, whether it's financial issues that they're having, perhaps it's a loss of a job or even the loss of a child. The deacons are there to encourage and to be a support for our church family. Yeah, when our deacon care program is working well, when an individual is having a problem, one of the first thoughts is going to be, hey, I need to call my deacon. I need to get my deacon involved in this. And so every person serving in that role has to decide, do I really want to be the person who's going to be called? But like you just said, that's when that discipleship really takes place. It's in the crucible of difficulty many times. And I think I think those are the points in our lives where that are most memorable to us and most impactful to us. It, frankly, it's a privilege, as you know, as a pastor, to engage with people at those points in their lives where they're most hurting. I'm thinking about a, one of our deacons who I have responsibility for on my deacon's care list this week, whose mom is in her last days. Yep. And just the opportunity to talk to my friend and encourage him and to pray for him, both on my own and to pray with him, that is a tremendous privilege. Yeah. You know, I'm thinking about just looking at this historically. You didn't become who you are overnight, so there were other men who poured into you, and I'm thinking especially of two men who were so important in the development of our church, Pastor Good, my predecessor, and Dr. Bob Smith, his dear friend. They worked together to develop faith biblical counseling ministries, but even much more important than that, to develop a philosophy of ministry that has guided our church family for all of these years, especially emphasizing biblical progressive sanctification and the sufficiency of the Scripture. Joe, I'm interested in your early development. How did Bill Good do that? How did Bob Smith do that? Was it formal? Was it informal? How did they help you grab these biblical counseling principles and then want to use them, not just in a counseling setting, but in all of the ministry God's given you? 
Yeah, I remember early in our time here at Faith, actually my wife Susan and I started attending Faith when we were college students at Purdue, and I remember coming to Faith and uh, hearing Pastor Good speak, and frankly, it was just sort of, I'll just say like a head dunk. It's like, wow, the Bible has something to say about how I need to live tomorrow, and the Bible has something to say about marriage and parenting and problem-solving. And uh, I do remember early on, uh, after Susan and I were married, Pastor Good taught the young marriage class. And essentially, he was doing an extended counseling session with that group of people sitting in that class. I mean, he was working through principles of communication. He was talking about the marriage relationship. He was talking about how to love your kids and to teach them and discipline them. And so really, it was his teaching was essentially counseling us in a group setting. And then I, I remember also on Sunday nights, he'd expand that concept even further, where I, this is back in the old overhead projector days, you know, where you crank the, uh, the transparency and you scribble on it. And I remember Pastor Good just scribbling away on this overhead and teaching. And what he was doing is he was, he was transferring these biblical concepts. He was working through counseling case studies, and he would talk about Bob and Mary and their issue that they're dealing with. And then he, what he would do is he would bring the Scripture, and he would engage the Scripture in real-life situations. Yeah. And it was like, oh, I didn't know that the Bible was supposed to make a difference in how I live on Wednesday, you know? And so I, I remember that very vividly. And, and then I, I also remember Doc Smith. He was kind enough to allow me to spend lots of hours with him. And I remember one evening at his home, his old home, and I was in his home office, and he, he begins opening some drawers for me. And these drawers were card catalog files. Yep. Yep. And they were the card catalog files of all of the scripture that Bob Smith had memorized yep. over the years, and they were full. Yeah. And Doc did that because he wanted to have Scripture so in, in, entrenched in his mind that he could easily translate that to life situations as he's sitting down counseling people. That made a huge impact on me, that the Scripture is supposed to be in our hearts, in our minds, so that we can easily encourage and counsel and exhort others. And so they encouraged me then after that to take the formal counseling training, which we offer here at Faith, and that was all the way back in 1982 that I did that. Wow. And it's interesting that a lot of what you just said, Joe, it wasn't a, a formal class per se. It was the, It's the difference between a church having a counseling center and a church being a counseling center because, you know, you're sitting in a Sunday school class or an adult Bible fellowship, we would call them today. And Pastor Good wasn't using the word counseling a lot, and he wasn't certainly calling it a formal counseling training program, but that's what it was. Yeah. He was counseling you, he was counseling your wife, he was counseling everybody else that was in that room, and at the same time teaching you those same kind of counseling principles so that you could, Lord willing, pass that on to somebody else that you were discipling and serving as well. Or when you were um, just hanging out with Doc Smith in his house, it wasn't a formal class, but it was certainly um, very, very beneficial to you in just understanding the importance of knowing Scripture. Or you talked about the Sunday night services and just an approach to teaching 
that is not just lecture mode, but it's very, yeah. very practical, very applicational. And as he was doing that with the old overhead projector, there was a lot of Q&A. So he wasn't just talking. He yeah. was asking for the people who were there, sometimes hundreds of people, but it was a conversation back and forth as you were working your way through the Word of God. And um, what an incredible heritage that we have. And, you know, I think that for pastors who would be listening, this shows the importance of having biblical counseling training themselves so that their teaching and even their preaching has an applicational component to it. And I recently was talking to a pastor of a large church, and he was asking me, how in the world do you have time for counseling, and why do you do that, and blah, blah, blah. There's all sorts of answers to that question, but one of them is just to stay fresh and relevant with the kind of challenges that men and women are facing. So that, Lord willing, that will help me when I have the privilege to preach or when I have the privilege to teach. And so for a pastor who would say, well, I'm not really interested in that counseling thing, well, that's going to make it harder to disciple a guy like you. And then on the other hand, for a man who might be a busy businessman or just busy in all sorts of things, but who says in his heart, I'd really like to be making more of a difference... Well, that means you have to get yourself to ABFs like you and Susan did earlier. You were college students. You had a thousand reasons not to, but you were there. You were there at church services. You were there to receive the Word of God. And so a Joe Blake doesn't just appear overnight, does he? It's a process that God uses. Yeah, and uh, Steve, I'll tell you, it is. There is a shocking difference to us. That's why I I use the term head dunk. Uh When we walked through the doors of Faith Church, it was like, wait a minute, this is more than just a Bible lesson. This is more than just a somebody's going to open the Bible and preach a sermon on John 3.16. No, this is engagement with my life, Mm -hmm. and that's why it was so compelling and so why we wanted to be in the seat every Sunday, every Wednesday, every opportunity for teaching, because it was like, I need this because this is where I live. Yeah, amen. You know, can you give us an example or two of deacons who are using these kind of principles? You work, you oversee this group, and so if they have a question, they're going to come to you, hey, how do I help this person, how do I help this person? So you're really on the front lines of serving our deacons who are in turn serving people in our church family. Can you give some examples of how deacons would use biblical counseling principles in just their everyday role? Yeah, so Steve, I'm getting to the point where my memory's not great, so I can't give you examples from 10 years ago, but I can give you examples (laughs) from this week, okay? But I think about a situation just this week where a family with a reasonable income was without money and unable to buy food for their children. And one of our deacons became aware of this, and of course the first thing we did was we mustered the resources to make sure that we had food for the children for the upcoming week. But right on the heels of that, this deacon was also asking the question, engaging with mom and dad and saying, how did we get here? Yeah. What's going on in the life? And do you have people around you that are encouraging you and helping you to make wise decisions with the resources that you have. And and so it's not just, the the deacon's ministry is not just, well, somebody has a material need, let's just throw some resources at them. No, it's also understanding what's going on in the life and the individual, and how can we help them to overcome whatever issue they're dealing with, spiritually or uh, or otherwise. So in this case, you know, 
getting some help, some counseling for this couple on a regular basis to help them think through their finances and to understand where, where the money is going. I think about another situation recently where a family is going through a cancer diagnosis and beginning that treatment. Yeah. Just think about well, how does the deacon engage there? Well, and how does that impact counseling? And the idea is that, you know, that we, we counsel those who are suffering as well. Counseling is not about corrective actions. Sometimes counseling is about coming alongside someone and just walking through it, yeah. deep waters with them and encouraging them with the Scripture along the way. I mean, it's one thing for me, Steve, to be available to, to minister to somebody, to be present in their suffering. It's another level altogether to be able to take to wisely take God's Word and minister that, not in a way that's offensive or abrasive, but it's loving to that person who's suffering. You know, that also means that the deacon has to be willing to receive the training because you never know when that call is going to come. I, I doubt that the two deacons that you just mentioned would have known two or three weeks ago that those opportunities were coming. Yeah. You didn't know that the the food situation was going to occur, but you can't put the phone down and say, you know what, I need to get some biblical counseling training now so I can, right? You already had to have it. You had to be ready same is true with these cancer diagnoses. Sometimes they come totally out of the blue. And so a godly deacon and his wife have to be ready when those ministry opportunities come, don't they? Yeah, for sure. And, and, it, and, and you talked about a church being a counseling church, and that's part of what a church does, is it equips people to be able to interact with those situations. So, for instance, there's specific teaching about when a person is suffering, this is the way that we can walk alongside that person. Yeah. yeah. You know, let's pivot a bit and talk about another part of the ministry that God has given you here, and that's with our men's restoration ministry. And can you tell our listeners a bit about just what is restoration? Yeah, so restoration men's ministry seeks to help men who are struggling with various addictions and life-dominating sinful habits. Men commit to 30-week program. It's a residential treatment facility here in Lafayette. That uh, includes extensive Bible study, weekly counseling sessions, and a heavy load of homework, and it also includes a full-time work schedule. These men also are engaged in our church body life, our yeah. church family life, and they serve our church family. It's a very low-cost program that allows men of very little means to get the help that they need to overcome the sins that they're struggling with. And if any of our listeners are know of a man like that that's just struggling to deal with an addiction or some type of a life-dominating sin, Restoration Ministries is there for them. Yeah, and you made an interesting point that, you know, these aren't men who are sequestered somewhere and we never see them. They become part of our right. church family. And one of the things I love when I happen to be at Faith East on a Sunday morning is um, when these men come in together and... Um, they're ready to worship the Lord. They're ready to be part of the body. They don't have to sit in a particular place, blah, blah, blah. They're as welcome as anybody else, and that's an important part of their overcoming their challenges, their, their healing, and we're glad to have them as part of our church family. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, truly, a part of discipleship, a key part of discipleship is having yourself in a place where you can be ministered to. And Steve, to be honest, one of the one of the challenges that these guys have post restoration that we talk a lot to them about is the importance of you being in God's house yeah. around God's people, ministering and serving to God's people on a regular basis once you leave here, because there is health 
that comes and spiritual growth that comes from just being around God's people. You know, we talked earlier about Pastor Good and Dr. Smith and and the pastors and the deacons that we have in our church, just being around men like that and being able to see the nature of their lives is so critical for me. I mean, I need that, and these men that we're working with need that as well. So they're, they're... being a part of the body of Christ is critical. So you actually volunteer there every week. And so, you know, we have a number of lay persons who go out and provide some of the counseling and some of the help. And you're one of the persons who do that. Now, you know, you're a busy guy. Nobody would fault you if you said, I don't have the time to do that too, along with everybody, everything else I got going on. Yeah, you do. Can, can you unpack your heart for us of why in the world would you make that a priority week after week? Well, you know, Steve, to be honest, finding opportunities to be involved in the Great Commission while they're all around us, to be honest, sometimes I struggle to to plug into what does it look like for me to have a part in the Great Commission? Mm -hmm. But when I go to restoration and I deal with men who don't know Christ in many cases, men who are struggling with following Christ if they know him, what greater opportunity is there for me to see people come to faith in Christ who are there begging for help or to help men who want to follow Christ more faithfully? I can't think of too many opportunities that are better served up to me to do that. Yeah, and restoration hasn't been around for too long, I guess probably four or five years, and we're not going to lie and suggest that every person who ever came through the program is just doing marvelously today. But on the other hand, there are certainly plenty of men who have gone through the program and are, by God's grace, are doing marvelously today. There's great joy in that, isn't there? Oh, absolutely, yeah. I mean, Greg Wetterland, the the director of the program, was able recently to go out and visit a fellow in uh, Pennsylvania who had come through the program and struggling with some issues. And after he left the program, he was married. And he and Erica, his dear wife, were able to go out and visit this couple who were recently married. And and to see a guy who was struggling with some issues that you would, the world might say, I'm not sure that guy will ever be married. To see him happily married and to invite Greg and Erica to come out and enjoy their joy as a family was delightful. And you just think about how um, the Lord used Pastor Good and Dr. Smith to pour into you principles of the sufficiency of Scripture. So when you talk to these guys, you're talking to them about the Word of God. You're not talking to them about the latest psychological idea of the day. You're helping them grow using principles of progressive sanctification. Isn't it amazing? Back when you were a a young married man in our church, I doubt that you thought, boy, if I listened to this, I could someday be working with drug addicts or those who have been consumed in their lives with alcohol, and yet here we are, huh? Yeah, amen, amen. It's, it's a tremendous blessing. God has—I mean, it's humbling, Steve. It's really humbling to be able to be involved in the lives of men and to see men come to faith in Christ and also see men make radical changes in their life. Yeah, and I think it is. I hope it's always humbling for us because the story here is not about what Joe did or what Steve did or what anybody else did. The story is what Jesus is doing. He promised that he would build his church, and he gives us the privilege of being part of it. Praise the Lord for that. You know, Restoration has a project going right now. You mentioned the whole, the guy's work, because we have the belief that one of the ways you change is by not only putting off what's wrong, both in your behavior but especially in your heart, 
but also you put on what's right. And part of that is just learning a godly work ethic and the joy of serving the Lord through your labor. And so can you tell our listeners about the, the wood? Why would we have a wood shop and why are we building a bigger one? <laughs> That's a great question. So, yeah, as you said, the men come to restoration. That They not only carry a, a heavy load of Bible study, counseling, homework, uh, serving in the church, but they also carry a full-time work schedule. And uh, that, that might include working at a pallet factory. It might involve working in a nursery that we have on the property, not a baby nursery, a tree nursery. <laughs> it might involve working on the sawmill. So we have, we have a sawmill out there where the guys are uh, taking these massive logs and, and chopping them up into boards. And, and so that, that then gets converted into a product. And so the guys make all kinds of wood products out there. But frankly, what the situation is right now is we started out in a historic barn out there. It's an 1890s barn. It's a beautiful old building, but it's tiny. It's tiny. It was made for a few cows, not not a big <laughs> woodworking shop. And so we just need more space for the sawmill, for wood storage, for a, uh, a carpentry shop, and then also for some counseling space. So these guys can work on site. We're trying to build this bigger building. It's a it's not an elaborate uh, barn, but it is a bigger barn where we can put a wood storage area in it and have the wood shop, have some offices for counseling. And, and the way that's coming together, Steve, is that the ministry has recently received s- several generous gifts to build this building, but there's still a need for additional gifts. So we're about $200,000 short of what our goal is to complete the project. And again, if one of your listeners was interested in helping with that program, why we would be blessed, the men would be blessed, and it would give them the opportunity to, to have a spot that they can learn to work. You know, sadly in our culture, many young men have not had hard work modeled for them. Yep. They may not have had a dad around that encouraged them or modeled for them or taught them the, the virtue of hard work. And, and we get it that that oftentimes just... Our emotions, the way we think about ourselves, is oftentimes wrapped up in how we work and how well we do that. And and men who haven't had that background, that's what this is all about. It's it's a barn to allow them to learn how to work and to do something productive with their hands. Yeah, and Joe, I didn't even have time to tell you this morning before we started uh, this podcast, but yesterday I had the opportunity to take a pastor from Indianapolis around to our campuses. He was just trying to get some ideas about community-based outreach ministry. And so we went out to Restoration, mm-hmm. and we just happened to catch the ministry. I mean, it was in full bore. And so we went out to the tree nursery, and there were some guys working on the trees. And boy, that nursery looks so beautiful yeah. now. Yeah. And they've done just such a great job. And then we hopped in the Jeep and went over to the barn, and wow, what a beehive of activity. So there's Greg Wetterlin on a skid steer, and he's loading a log that a, a local company has delivered to us, just a guy who cuts trees, but when he gets a good one, he brings it to us free of charge. So Greg was loading one of those on the skid steer, and then we walked into the barn, and there's a group of our residents, along with some godly men, just retired guys from our church who were running this portable sawmill, and so they're taking this huge log and cutting it into dimension lumber and you could smell the smell of that sawdust and guys are gritty and dirty but you know what they're not they're not drunk yeah they're not high they're glorifying God by good work and they were enjoying it Joe I mean they were having a good time and so then we walked up the stairs 
And here's a couple of guys I had never met before. They're relatively new residents, and they were working on a an interior barn door. So they were making mm-hmm. a door out of the very wood that had been cut downstairs in the sawmill, and so they were sanding it down. And um, they turned their sanders off and talked to the pastor and, and me for a minute. And you should have just seen the, their eyes light up as they were talking about this door they were making, and they were showing us all the nuances of the wood and all that sort of thing. That's the sufficiency of Scripture. You know, they weren't having a class right then, but they were applying truth from the Word of God as they were joyfully and productively working. And that's many times what counseling looks like, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. You know, and Steve, a lot of these guys have been in and out of treatment programs for years. Yep. Okay, and they they understand what it looks like to go to a traditional secular program, and part of what that looks like is it costs a lot of Absolutely. money. Okay, Absolutely. they've spent in some cases tens of thousands of dollars yep. in treatment programs in and out. That's the beauty of restoration yep. for these men. Okay, that joy, the delight, the sparkle that you see in their eyes. Oftentimes, that's because they say. I am doing something productive that supports myself yep. and my family yep. while I'm here. Yeah. And that's, I mean, what? There, there's no greater joy for some of those guys than that. Yeah, and oftentimes those who need counseling the most can afford it the least. And yep. So these expensive programs are way beyond reach. And, and the Church of Jesus Christ ought to do something about that. Yeah. And it was also delightful to see some retired men who had been very successful in their careers, but they understand how to work because that's what they had to do, but they also understand how to develop good workers. And so they're right alongside these guys, and they're making a difference, and that's what discipleship looks like. Yeah. You know, and, and part, of, part of, again, I go back to this barn situation and, and perhaps how someone could help is this is on purpose intended to be virtually free for the men that are there. Right. Now, again, they're working, they're supporting, they're producing product that is used to support them, but it's still expensive to run an operation like this, to build a barn like this. And so if people wanted to help, that, that is a great way to just help with creating the infrastructure that allows this ministry to That's be right. self-supporting. And, you know, Steve, you and I, over the years, there have been multiple ministries that we've tried to form with the concept of let's make these as financially self-supporting as they can possibly be. Restoration is a great example of that. And praise the Lord for that, for sure. Hey, what would you say to a young Joe Blake, so a guy who's just getting started, maybe he's a teenager, maybe he's a college student, maybe he's a young married man, and he's trying to get traction, and to become effective deacon or deacon chair, counselor at a place like Restoration later in his life, what would you encourage that guy to be doing now? Yeah, I would encourage them to look for men in the body of Christ that they would emulate. These are men who are walking with the Lord, that with their lives they're honoring Him, and then to latch on to them and learn as much as you possibly can from their manner of life. I'm not a big fan of formal mentoring. I'm sure it has its place, but I wouldn't necessarily ask the man to mentor me. I would just say, look for ways that you can serve him and spend time around him so that you can learn about how he's living his life. I'd say the second thing is just look for ways to sacrificially serve the body of Christ. And not only when you're a young person, but all your days. Like, 
it ought to be, as I'm thinking through my goals every year, I ought to be thinking, what is it that I can do to more effectively serve Christ's body here on earth? Because again, that's what we're called to, right? We're called to fulfilling the Great Commission by serving the body of Christ. And I think the final thing I'd say, Steve, to a young man who's listening is, you need to show the self-discipline to restrain the amount of time that you spend on pursuing a career. Now, that sounds kind of upside down, but there's always a a career, a job, hobbies. They are like a black hole. You can always do more. You can always work more. And at some point, if you're going to sacrificially serve the body of Christ, you're going to make choices to not pursue certain things in your career, in your livelihood, in these hobbies, so so that you have the bandwidth to yeah. serve the body of Christ sacrificially. So but those are my thoughts. Yeah, those are wise words. And you know, if you're listening and would say, hey, I want to get some formal training in some of this, the, the great news is there's more opportunities than ever before. And so you can always come to our Biblical Counseling Training Conference in February. That's the the highlight for us when we generally have about 2,000-plus people who come to Lafayette from all over the country and from a number of foreign countries. And when you get that many people who are interested in receiving a week of, of Biblical Counseling Training, whether they're ever going to be a formal counselor or not, that training can be used in so many different endeavors. I, I would encourage you to jump online, uh, faithlafayette.org slash conferences, and learn about that. It's also available virtually now, and so we have this training available in a guided virtual format um, in the spring, summer, and fall, and winter, and so you can um, learn more about that at conferences as well. We'd love to have you pursue this kind of training. Joe, Joe one last question. I'm thinking about a pastor who's listening listening to this, and I would say, my, I would love to have a a Joe Blake. Well, again, it took somebody like Pastor Good pouring into you and like others. What would you say to a pastor who's just praying for and looking for committed people? I'd say set your sights higher than Joe Blake. (laughs) That would be the first word of counsel. No, seriously, like you said, Steve, you've got to grow these guys. You have to invest time and energy and training. And I would say you have to challenge the men to take on greater leadership roles. Guys with capacity want to be challenged in their responsibility. Yeah, that's powerful. They want to be stretched. And realize that when you ask guys to carry a significant leadership role in your church, that's not something that you should apologize for. You're doing that man a favor when you... When you ask him to step up and carry a heavier load in your church, you're helping him to be a good steward of the resources he has, because someday he's going to stand before the Lord and he's going to have to give an account for how he used the gifts that the Lord gave him. And is it really reasonable that a godly Christian man should spend most of his energy and giftedness in the pursuit of secular ends? And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with working a a, a secular job. I've done it my entire life. But those same gifts that I'm applying in the workplace ought to be applied in God's church as well. 
So that would be, um, I just challenge them to use their gifts for Christ. Well, hey, Joe, I appreciate the, the time. I appreciate so much your friendship and appreciate the way you serve as one of our deacons and lead all of our deacons to serve so well. You know, I, I tell folks this all the time that I love our deacons. They are some of my dearest friends, and I don't go to deacons' meetings with my stomach all in knots, worrying about what it's <laughs> going to be like. In fact, sometimes it's it's almost like junior high. I mean, we're having way too much fun in there. <laughs> but that's, I think, the way it ought to be. And, and sure, we have serious moments. Sure, we have problems we have to work out. We don't always agree with one another, et cetera, et cetera. But we really are loving the privilege of serving the Lord together. And praise Jesus, only by the grace of Christ is that possible. So thank you for what you're doing, and I hope these words are going to be helpful to others. Well, Steve, thank you. And it would be, it would be remiss of me to not say the impact that you've had in my life as well. Okay, we've talked about Dr. Smith, and we've talked about Bill Good, but the impact that you've had in my life has been tremendous as well, so thank you. Well, that's very, very kind. Thank you very much. All right. You can check out more about our ministry at faithlafayette.org, or if you're interested in receiving biblical counseling training, go to faithlafayette.org conferences. You can find these presentations wherever you normally access your podcasts, and you could really help us just to get the word out by telling your friends on social media that these presentations are going to be available. Our hope and our prayer is that this podcast honors the Lord and is a blessing to you.